All right, I think we are live. It's been a while since I've uh, streamed on this Added Souls Facebook page. And, uh, well, I thought, why not? Since it's been a while, say hi to a great many of my friends over here on the Added Souls Facebook page. And um, I thought, well, we could read some Bible together and um, see what kind of information we find therein. What do you guys think? That seem okay? Let me open up here from my end, just to make sure it is indeed rolling, because it's been a while. I had to put everything back into my software. It had lost the connection and the login information and all that stuff, but uh, I think we are rolling. Yeah, there we go. Cool. All right, still works. What do you know? Huh. So, uh, yeah, if you're seeing this, by all means, please consider uh, subscribing. Yeah, giving us a thumbs up, all that kind of good stuff. Sharing an emoji or whatnot, a comment, and uh, sharing the link far and wide. Let me just, uh, why is it doing that? There we go. All right. Some new stuff popping up on my my screen here that I'm not used to. There we go. All right. Now, I think we're rolling. So I want to look at uh, the Psalms. Psalms, right? The P is silent. The Psalms. Um, chapter 1. The righteous and the wicked. Kind of what's taking place there. I've always found great comfort, instruction, guidance, um, with this portion of scripture, verses 1 through 6, I think it's an important section of scripture to uh, visit, right? During the many months of the year. And they put things in focus. They have us uh, reassess our faith, right? Looking into the mirror with a... Um, the uh, purpose to be better. And if we find ourselves kind of, uh, how should I say, um, going off the beaten path a bit, a bit, or if we're losing focus or whatnot, you kind of go back to, to this portion of Scripture, and it kind of sets things in motion to the very simple paths in life, two of them, right? You have the wicked path, and you have the good path. You have the blessed, and you have the wicked. Sometimes uh, some individuals, some preachers, evangelists, or whoever's, uh, they overcomplicate stuff. Uh, we just want to keep things simple, and we want to understand what the scriptures say. And uh, I thought maybe I could share some of that with you. That's okay. And uh, together, we can kind of read through these verses and uh, understand. Is that okay? So it begins and it says, How blessed, most joyful recipients of God's grace, right? God's provision, God's grace, God's love, His forgiveness. How the blessed, how blessed, most joyful recipients of God's grace. Who? Well, is the man is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked. Most joyful recipient of God's grace is the individual, brother or sister, who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked. That makes sense. That's simple enough, isn't it? The way we walk is the way we live. That's the idea. What you think, what you speak, your lifestyle, may it not be found within the counsel, the instruction, of the wicked. 
the evil, what would be against the truth, against God, what would be oppressive towards the truth. We should not be found living our lives in accordance to the instruction, the counsel, the guidance of the wicked. And it's interesting to me how this certainly applies in all facets of life. It could be religiously. It could be sociopolitically. We as Christians should not be found contradictory in our walk. And that happens when we allow ourselves to function in belief of the counsel the wicked propagate. And we can find that, sadly, among brethren, where we do certainly understand the doctrine of Christ and the gospel therein. So religiously, we can find accuracy in a great many locations in the Bible. However, sociopolitically, we certainly fall prey to the counsel of the wicked. And that, unfortunately, does not have a Christian that is well-seasoned and balanced in all things in life. Sometimes you see the other way around, don't you? You'll find individuals in the world who are, I don't know, prob per uh, perhaps politically uh, uh, labeled as conservative. And they understand very well the difference between a lie and the truth, politically speaking, in the socio-political realm. But the minute you start speaking to them about religious things, whoo, man, you can tell that they have fully embraced their life, their walk, in accordance to the counsel of the wicked. Right? And as Christians, my humble thought to what I've been able to read in the Bible, mind you, I've only been reading it for I don't know now how long, since 2011, it's limited. My experience is limited. But thus far from the nature of God revealed, we as Christians are to be balanced in all things pertaining to life. And godliness has been given to us in this instruction, the 66 books of the Holy Bible, so we should apply that in all its facets of experience on this earth. Dealing with everything, the secular world, the religious world. And at times it's difficult to have influence in our communities when those outside the body of Christ in the community are capable of seeing the double tongue in a great many who claim belief in Christ. And so going to the psalm kind of puts things into its proper perspective, the, spir the spiritual benefit uh, that we can apply practically in our lives in regards to the conversation that we're having. The wicked, the blessed. The blessed are well balanced. And it's an educational path forward, obviously. We have to learn and that can take time. For some of us, we're a bit slower to the run there, but uh, if we are poor in spirit, it'll work out. A great many in the, out there in the world, in our communities, they can see the inconsistency in Christianity when we find ourselves the recipients of the counsel of the wicked in socio-political realms, but yet the blessed in the realm of religion or vice versa. Sociopolitically, we're on the ball. We know the truth from the lies, and we are morally upright, and we are decent human beings, and we know the evils that are being uh, enforced upon us by these 
political corruptions and their policies. And we can see that very clearly and they can identify that. But the minute you speak about religious things, whoo, out the window. You can tell the counsel they've been receiving is certainly from the wicked. I think we need to be well balanced in all facets. And it's important to be humble enough to say sometimes, I just don't know the answer. Well, who do you believe this, that, and the other? And again, sometimes we just don't have all the answers to that. We can look for them together. We can work to, 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 to find them together. How blessed the most joyful recipient of God's grace is the individual who doesn't live his life or her life in accordance to the counsel, the guidance, the information, the instructions of the wicked. And we have that all over the place. Religiously, we have a oof, ocean of error, don't we? An ocean of error from all sorts of different angles, claiming to be the umbrella of Christendom. And even outside the umbrella of Christendom, you have all sorts of various religions as well. And many receive their counsel from those locations, which the scriptures, the word of God, the penmanship of the Holy Spirit would reveal to the honest Bible student as wicked. As wicked. It's the same with everything we uh, interact with. What are the quote-unquote news channels you listen to? Are you aware that some of them are filled with lies? And they spin those lies in some of the most cunning ways very, very eloquently. Make you believe. Lies. Should Christians not be wiser than that? Be able to understand what is a, a state propaganda and lies from the truth? Well, I think we should know those things more so importantly in priority scripturally regarding religious things, spiritual affairs. But we should also be mindful of everything else going on and what is the truth and what is a lie. I don't know, some of my thoughts anyways with that. How blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked. And you're going to see some words here that are uh, descriptive, of course, of um, one's, one's life on this earth and what he or she is doing. So it continues and it says here in verse 1 of Psalm 1, Nor stand in the path of sinners. Nor stand in the path of sinners. I like how the psalmist writes this in order, if you will. You have walk, you have stand, and you have seat, right? Nor sit in the seat of scoffers. I find that interesting. Inspired language, right? Inspired language, certainly. Most joyful recipient of God's grace is the individual who does not live in accordance to the instructions of the wicked. And this individual who is most blessed, nor will he or she stand in the path of the sinners. Living in accordance to their instruction will lead you to stand among them, counted among them, the wicked. What does that mean? Well, you're going to start to defend them, aren't you? Well, certainly. If you are the recipient of the counsel the wicked are teaching, it will organically make its way in your mind to defend the very wickedness that you are now living. You'll be standing with them. To walk, to live, 
according to their instruction, which can come from all sorts of directions regarding religion and regarding sociopolitical affairs and the secular world and all its fallen ways. What do you mean? Well, if you are a recipient of the Council of the Quran, you will become a Muslim. And as a Muslim, you will stand in defense of Islam. Right? If you are the recipient of oh, I don't know, a CNN, the quote-unquote news channel, you are going to live your life in accordance to the worldview CNN has counseled you into. And what are you going to do? You're going to stand in defense of CNN and whoever operates CNN and its loyalists to its political affiliates and its policies. If you are the recipient of instruction from the pro-choice industry, the LGBTQ agenda, the, oh, what would be, uh, or any racist organization, you're going to be found sooner or later standing, defending, the pro-choice abortion industry, the LGBTQ agenda, and all racist organizations. If you... The same with any religious worldview. If you are the recipient of... Um, I don't know, pick a religious denomination. Catholicism. If you are the recipient of the Council of Catholicism, you're going to walk and live according to Catholicism, to one degree or another, some just in appearance to tradition, but others in a practicing way. And you will, sooner or later, walk, defend Catholicism. How blessed most joyful recipient of God's grace is he or she that does not walk, does not receive the information of the wicked, the guidance of the wicked, nor stand, defend the sinners, the sin, the wickedness, nor, and you see how this, of course, spirals its way downward further for the individual who would be categorized with the wicked. It says, nor sit in the seat of scoffers. It's understandable that if you walk, live according to their counsel, you're going to naturally stand and defend them, and now you're going to gradually graduate to participate with them in sinful activities against the faithful, the blessed, in persecution, in hostilities. And that is indeed the spiral downward for the wicked and those who take in and receive and fellowship what the wicked produce. You can take an individual who is apolitical, let's say, no political worldview or no association, no loyalty to any socio-political party or policy. You take that individual, you put him in a room with a television screen, and you put on continuously a certain kind of news channel or uh, uh, entertainment, uh, whatever. That individual or that child will sooner or later uh, build that worldview in their minds and live according to what they've been receiving. The wicked know this. 
And how can we ever persevere through trial and conquer the evil one if we can't even identify him? The wicked know this very well. That's why they're in our public schools and they are the ones who are writing the material for our children so that our children can be raised within the counsel of the wicked. Because to have them raised within the counsel of the wicked, to walk with the wicked, is to defend the wicked and soon, of course, to participate with the wicked in aggravation against the faithful, those who speak the truth. You see how that works? That works in all facets of things. All of it always categorized in two channels. The wicked and the righteous, the blessed, the evil, the Broadway, the narrow gate, the saved, the lost. If you are to receive the counsel of fornicators, you will soon defend fornication. And you will soon participate in fornication and persecute those who would proclaim against fornication. If you are to receive your counsel, your information from the LGBTQ community, soon, sooner than later, you will indeed sit with them and defend the LGBTQ community, and you will soon participate in the LGBTQ community with encouragement, with promotion, and you will indeed persecute those who would speak against the LGBTQ community. The same with the abortion industry. The same with religious error. If you are the recipient of denominational counsel, you will soon, as one who now walks to the council, lives according to the council, the instruction of denominationalism, you will indeed stand with them in defense of denominational doctrines. And you will further grow strong in that path to the point in which you will sit and participate in persecuting those who speak the truth about denominationalism. And you can see how easily you can apply anything and everything to these two paths, which is why I truly find comfort in this portion of Scripture and visit it every so month. And, well, it had been a little while since I shared it with you, so hopefully you find spiritual benefit to this information. See, the blessed is not going to walk, stand, or sit with wicked sinners scoffing. So what is he or she going to do? Who? Well, the blessed, the most joyful recipient of God's grace. What will he or she do? Well, he or she will delight, verse 2, in the law of the Lord. Now, you and I today, we are born in the stewardship of the Messianic age, the dispensation of the Messiah, the Christian era. What does that mean? Well, we are now under the law of Christ, mercy and grace. The law of Christ has 27 books. The information that was given here, of course, from the psalmist was in regards to the law they were living under. You and I today, we do not live under the Old Testament. We live under the New Testament. However, do not make the misguided mistake to think that the 39 books of the Old Testament can now be thrown into the garbage. Nuh-uh. Paul would say we learn from that scripture the nature of God. Of course, the teachings of repentance... Sin has remained the same. There is nothing new under the sun. Fornication was rebuked in the Old Testament. It is also rebuked in the New Testament. Nonetheless, as individuals of the New Testament, we are wise as the joyful recipients of God's grace to delight in the law of our Lord and Master, Jesus Christ. And how can we do that? We read. We read the words of the Holy Spirit 
the words of our master. Our delight is to be found in the law of our Lord. There has to be law. Without law, there is no justice. There is no peace. You can't have grace without order. You see, those who would teach that there is no law, the recipients of the wicked, the counsel of the wicked, there is law. There has to be law. If there would be no law, God could not be a judge. In order to be a judge, one must have a law. And we, as the blessed, are to delight, find great fulfillment and joy, purpose, strength, courage, comfort. Where? In the law of the Lord. And in His law. Remember, it is not our law. It is His law. The wicked will create Christianity in their own image. In accordance to their own selfish desires. And they have counsel. We have to be children of the book rightly handled, the law. Therein we meditate day and night. Taking the time to remove ourselves from all distractions. Turn off all the smart devices, and they call themselves smart devices. I don't know how smart they truly are. I think they may be smart and they're dumbing us down. I don't know. I have my opinions. But in all perspectives, there is an expediency and a blessing in today's technology, for sure, for the gospel. Well, you turn off all distractions, and you truly take the time to sit down with the book, the law of our Lord and Master, and read, and find delight, and meditate. Find focus. Let go the anxieties let go all the trials and challenges and discouragements that come our way and simply find the Word of God. Read it. Read it again. And read it slowly. Sometimes you'll find more spiritual nourishment sitting down and reading one verse over and over again learning that verse, learning its chapter and context, and you will have it quoted 120 verses in a half an hour. His delight is in the law of the Lord, and in His law He meditates day and night. What is day and night? It's, it's not an act. It's who He is. It's his life. There are many actors crept in to the local assemblies. I've seen some of them. They portray themselves a certain way outwardly, but I've seen some of them inwardly. Snakes, wolves in sheep's clothing, divisive tyrants. They destroy marriages, families, local assemblies and friendships, wicked, wicked. But they portray themselves outwardly as scholars. The Pharisees all over again. The very thing Christ came to liberate the people from. You don't need these gatekeepers. You don't need these key holders. You can be found as the blessed, the most joyful recipients of what is good and what is right. But his delight, the blessed, is in the law of the Lord, and his law, he meditates day and night. It's a lifestyle. It's who he truly is. You know, that's why my wife and I have always made our life public and transparent. There's really nothing to hide. You all know my faults, my struggles. I've been public about them. It's a public life. It's a transparency. We live 
what you see from us, both digitally and physically. We do have family devotionals. We do pray daily. We do read the scriptures daily. We evangelize. We practice benevolence. We love our brothers and sisters. To that end, be sure to check out eastcoastchurchofchrist.com and get involved with the wonderful work of the East Coast Church of Christ. His delight is in the law of the Lord and his law, and in his law he meditates day and night. It's his lifestyle. It's who he is. I wouldn't know who I am without Jesus. I'd have to go back to my past life and remember, be like, oh, yeah, 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 that's who I used to be. Yeah, yeah, yeah. When I used to take the counsel of the wicked, when I used to stand with them, and I used to seat with them. I, I remember. Now I know. Yeah, I don't want to go back there. I don't want to go back there. And no wolf in sheep's clothing, no deceiver, no psychological manipulator is going to have me go back to my past life, as tempting as that might be when you face great, deep devastation and sorrow, what do you do? You don't go back to your past life. No Pharisee can condemn you. What do you do? You go back to the scriptures and you read this information. Take delight, joy, comfort, encouragement, peace in the law of our Lord. Let's meditate day and night. Let us live a lifestyle in accordance to the word of God. He will be like a tree, the scriptures say, verse 3, a tree firmly planted by streams of water. Delight, meditate, firm, planted, day and night, the law. You see how important this is? And what is a tree firmly planted? Well, firmly planted means it has deep roots. How can it have deep roots? Nourishment in the soil. How does the nourishment get to the soil? The waters of life. How is it that you will persevere through some of the most difficult moments you will ever experience in the church? Loss of loved ones. Having loved ones devoured by the wicked. Persecution, hostile governments, corrupt governments and corrupt politicians who hate Christianity and do everything they can to remove the privilege of freedom that we've had in a free, once free world. How do you deal with that as a Christian? How do you walk this life? Well, the world doesn't have the answers. I know it. I've asked them. I've tried their way for many decades. It don't work out very well. <laughs> Makes things worse. And you're going to have to suffer one way or another. You best suffer serving Jesus Christ, because at least at that case, you will have eternal life, words of life, as the blessed, the most joyful recipient of his grace. A tree firmly rooted has nourishment, allowing it to be firmly rooted. You want that so that when the storms of life come your way, you'll focus on Christ and walk on water. Illustration purpose only. None of us walk on water today. You understand what I'm saying. If our hearts belong to Jesus Christ, no matter how bad the challenge gets to us, the temptations, the, the, the trials, the devastations, the attacks, even from those closest to us or those we thought loved us, how was Jesus capable of going to the cross after having known his abandonment from his own siblings, his own people, his own culture, his own disciples, his own friend Judas? How was he still capable of going to the cross? Knowing what was going to happen to him. His father... God. That is our source through Christ, our Lord and Master, our Savior, our King. 
We are legal citizens of his kingdom, are we not? He is now crowned king. He has fulfilled the death, burial, resurrection, witness, and ascension. Birth from the mind of God, prophesied by the prophets of old, promised by the Christ, purchased by his blood, it must be practiced by our faith. And this kingdom was established in the first century as so the prophets prophesied the location. In the manner in which it would come, it was all recorded, witnessed, and recorded in the book of Acts, chapter 1 and 2. Did we not obey that very same gospel? Do we not have that common salvation, the faith, the system of redemptive power from God, a divine source? Well, of course. So it would be wise for us to become the blessed. How so? We delight in the gospel. We meditate day and night with the gospel. We become a tree, firmly rooted, strong in the gospel because we continue to receive the word of God. And the word of God is void, useless, and noisy, if not with love. And sadly, a great many brethren, they know the law, they can teach the law way better than I can, but they have no love. They are filled with bitterness, envy, jealousy, and divisive agendas. They are corrupt liars, but they know the law. The Pharisees knew the law. They searched it day and night. They thought salvation was in themselves. Paul knew that faith was not enough. One could have faith that could move mountains, and that's a big faith to have, useless if without love. So we delight, we meditate, and we are firmly planted in the law, the word of God. And that includes love. Therein we find it. See, we are told to worship in spirit and truth. If the truth was enough, the word spirit would not have been added. Or if the spirit was enough, the truth would have been left out. But it needs the combination. As Christ would speak the commission, whoever believes and is baptized shall be saved. You cannot have baptism without belief, nor can you have belief without baptism. Both are necessary for one's salvation in Christ, through the power of Christ. We worship Christ, we worship God through the Christ in spirit and truth, the right mind, motive, heart, love, and the truth, the right doctrine. So we delight, we meditate, and we are firmly planted within this law of our Lord and Master, within the words of the Holy Bible, the gospel revealed for us to live. And much better we walk in the counsel of the gospel, stand in the path with the faithful, and delight or seat ourselves among the saints and participate and defend the gospel truth and expose the wicked and evil. A tree firmly planted by streams of water is a tree that receives nourishment day and night, which yields its fruit in its season and its leaf does not wither, and in whatever he does, he prospers. Why? Because it's according to the will of God. The prideful exalt themselves and they give out an appearance, a noisy gong. It certainly does attract individuals to look at the location in which the noisy sound is coming from, but it's not producing anything. The pharisaical type creates subordinates, and they'll go around the world, they'll go to different countries, they'll embark in missions, and they'll create subordination. They become the gatekeepers, the key holders, noisy gongs. We are not to participate in those things. We are to withdraw ourselves from such corruption. We want to be found within the realm of the firmly planted tree and the streams of water, the word of God that instruct us on how to deal with life. 
and in such ways we will practice benevolence. We will evangelize, we will be approachable, we will be seasoned, we will have love both for our enemies and our friends. And in proper season, fruit will be provided and fruit will be produced for our Lord and Master. Individuals out there will convert to Christianity, the added soul's mission from the very beginning. Reach the faithless, renew the fallen, reinforce the faithful. Its leaves do not wither. What does the scriptures reveal regarding a branch that no longer produces fruit? A branch, of course, that would be grafted to the Christ in context, speaking of the apostles that our Lord and Master had chosen. If one does not produce fruit, he is cut, he is thrown, he is burned. That doesn't happen to the Christian who takes delight, meditates, and is firmly planted in the Word of God. Not only to know the law, but to live the law and have the love of God within him. That's important. When you love God and His love is within you, you care for people's souls. You care for your brothers and sisters. Wolves in sheep's clothing, they don't have that. They're evil. Be careful. It yields its fruit in its season, and its leaf does not wither, and in whatever he does, he prospers, because it's the work of the Lord being done through an obedient servant. The wicked, though, the wicked, that ain't the case for the wicked, right? That ain't the case for the wicked. No, no, the, the, the verses that continue, 4, 5, and 6, speak of the wicked, and that is indeed where we do not want to be found, indeed. In action, we don't want to be found walking, standing, or seating with the wicked. Verse 4, 5, and 6, the wicked are not so. Well, what's the difference? What is the not so? Well, see, the blessed, they delight, they meditate, and they are firmly planted within the law. It's a, it's a lifestyle. It's who they truly are. If you ask me what my identity is, I'm a Christian. I live according to the book. Well, you see, the wicked, they don't live that kind of way. But they certainly have counsel, and they certainly have their sinners, and they certainly have their scoffers. The wicked are equipped for wicked things. And we really have to grow in our faith, brethren, to recognize that the devil, oh, he's in the details as so commonly spoken and quoted. He's not the big red-faced horned devil with the pitchfork and the pointy tail and saying, hey, everyone, I'm Satan. Matter of fact, when you see that, you know that ain't, that ain't Satan. It may be people who follow Satan or who are influenced by Satan. Don't get me, don't get me misunderstood here. But that ain't Satan. Satan's a wolf in sheep's clothing. See, the world produces what it does in a dying way. It don't need to masquerade as anything. It don't need to put wool on. Do you know that the Roman Catholic Pope doesn't need to put any wool on and pretend to be a sheep? You know why? Because he's the Roman Catholic Pope and he'll say so publicly and everyone knows him to be so publicly. So where's the wolf in sheep's clothing? Well, he ain't behind the pulpit of any denomination. Now, does that mean his influence isn't active in those locations? Well, no, 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 don't get me misunderstood. So where is he? Well, where do you think the devil would be? Friends, he's creeping in through the window. He wants to take advantage of your friendship. He wants preeminence. He wants control, his pride, his greed. He wants to destroy. He wants to cause chaos, discouragement. He wants you to fall away. Do you know how many Christians, sadly, who have withdrawn themselves from local assemblies because they saw that the devil had taken over the assembly, the self-righteousness, the hypocrisy that was being practiced there. They didn't take the right path. They should not have withdrawn themselves, but they got so disenfranchised with it, they chose to point the finger in the wrong direction. It's not God's fault. See, the wicked are not the blessed. And Satan 
His focus is to destroy the faithful. So he's going to want to creep in to a fateful local assembly and destroy it and take control. See, the world is lost already, and it has been judged by God. Why, Paul would say to his brethren in Corinth, what business do we have judging them? God's already judged them. They're lost. Have we not been commanded to judge each other in the church? Well, of course, because we have to recognize the wicked and remove it. How will we become discerning of these wisdoms, these insights? Delight in the law. Meditate day and night. Be a tree that is firmly rooted next to the nourishment that flows 24 hours a day. The word of God, living it. The wicked, they aren't so. The wicked, they're like chaff, which the wind drives away. They've got no roots anywhere. They'll go wherever they have to go to cause more chaos. That's what they do. That's their resume. They accumulate pain and loss at their own evil hands. They create all sorts of problems. That's what they do. Go with the wind. They're not stable. They're not stable. They just look for the next prey. They look for the next prey to intimidate, to bully, to control, to subordinate. The wicked are gone with the wind. Therefore, the wicked, verse 5, will not stand in the judgment. They won't have any defense. When the sky opens and the trump sounds and judgment is upon all, God, they have no defense. Jesus is not going to defend them. Hey, I thought we did what we were supposed to do in your name. Dar, weren't we doing this and weren't we doing that? And While on earth, they were claiming righteousness to all their unrighteous, divisive acts. But now on the day of judgment, they're being exposed as the liars and frauds they've always been. And they may convince some of us on earth to support them and encourage them and believe them to be something they truly are not, but on the day of judgment, they won't stand. They will fall. And I personally take great comfort in knowing that God's justice is real. So I don't need to call out any names, and I don't need to go around the way contaminating, contaminating myself from the focus I have in the gospel. On the day of judgment, the wicked will be publicly revealed and shamed. They won't stand. Christ will not defend them. The Pharisees were so consciously convinced in themselves that they were right with God. They were murderers and liars, deceivers, manipulators, hypocrites, self-righteous. They didn't. No way. You couldn't have convinced them they were guilty of those things. If the Son of Man, the Son of God, the Christ Himself walking among them, telling them those things was not enough to convince them, you and I, we weren't going to do it. We weren't going to cut it. They left this earth, these Pharisaical types, firmly convinced in their hate and bitterness that they were right and the others were wrong. They were caught in their own delusions and lies. Do you know that malignant narcissists will call you who are not malignant narcissist? Malignant narcissist? Do you know that toxic abusers will call those who are not toxic abusers toxic abusers? They will project and gaslight and accuse you of the same thing? The wicked, this is how they operate. They've been able to <laughs> bamboozle the Western world through sociopolitical ways. Do you not believe it to be the case also religiously? Come on, man, get with it. Wake up. Loyalists and subordinates to the Pharisaical kind would have looked at the Pharisees and chosen their side. Well, certainly so. If even Judas betrayed the Christ, then Judas must be right along with the Pharisees. The Christ is the deceiver. The Christ is a blasphemer. He's a liar. He's a thief. Crucify him. They have no firm root in the truth or the law, yet they thought they did. This is the operational manners of the wicked. Therefore, the wicked will not stand in the judgment. 
It's not going to happen. They're going to fall. And great will be the gnashing of their teeth. Well, think of it. This is what keeps me humble. Well, it's a very large part and parcel of what keeps me humble. Despite the fact that I don't deserve any love from Jesus, yet he died for me. I can't think of it too deeply. I'll weep. Why me? Why me? Well, there, uh, 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 the wicked will not stand in the judgment. They won't have the Christ. Yet they will be firmly convinced of it. Now imagine that. You have those who would be publicly understood and seen as Digitally and physically, on Facebook or any social media platforms, preachers you might know, uh, podcasters, whatever, who are firmly convinced they are right. Firmly convinced in their own delusional lies. Who think themselves on the way to heaven. Now, for those outside of Christ who think they are in Christ, who have never been in Christ the gnashing of their teeth will be strong as well. But imagine having manipulated yourself within the fold of God's people and convinced yourself you're saved when in fact you are a wolf in sheep's clothing, a divisive individual, thinking that God's going to be the one listening to your commands and damning and condemning everyone you condemned on earth for non-doctrinal reasons or behavioral reasons that are on your guilt and fault. Imagine the gnashing of teeth of these individuals we call brothers and sisters. That's scary. That's fearful. How can we know? How can we know? The scriptures. You'll see the love of Christ in the scriptures. You'll know Jesus. And I dare say, I've seen some brethren who are not educated at all in the Bible. They know very little of the law, but they know enough to know Jesus and love Jesus. And that's enough to spot a wolf in sheep's clothing who might call himself a scholarly individual who thinks himself so high and mighty and educated. The wicked, friends, they're going to and fro with the wind. And they won't stand on judgment because they've got no firm roots in Christ. How could they? And the gnashing of their teeth will be severe. And that scares me. And I don't want to be with the wicked. Are we on this fallen world among the wicked? Well, yeah. But we don't need to walk with them, stand with them, nor sit with them. We don't need to live as they live. We don't need to defend them, nor do we need to practice what they practice. What we do is delight in the law, the word of our Lord and Master, and we meditate. We take great time and focus and purpose with the word of God, and we are firmly rooted in the gospel truth, right? The wicked, They've got an eternal destination that uh, you and I don't want to be found in. It continues and says in verse 5, Therefore the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the assembly of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. You see, on this earth, many brethren, some purposely don't want to discern the truth from a lie. But God knows. Wolves in sheep's clothing will be capable of deceiving people, devouring brethren. But that won't work on the day of judgment. I take great comfort in that. I really do. I take great comfort in that. When injustice has been an experience and you know that there might not be any justice on this earth, you can have comfort in knowing that there will be justice when the sky opens. And the way of the wicked will perish. And so why would the blessed have any dealings or fellowship with the wicked? 
there are congregations that have a sign outside that says the Church of Christ that do not no longer belong to Jesus Christ. They are corrupted by corrupt leaderships. They will perish. The faithful have no fellowship with those. We pray for those who have been devoured. We love them. We miss them. Some will follow the wicked that we have ministered to for decades. Our love, our teaching, our preaching, financial aid, hospitality. We've been there for them as a shoulder to cry on. We've helped them with transportation. We've helped them with everything. We've ministered to these people. We've given our lives to some members who all along really just had a bad heart, evil, wicked heart. They were easily devoured by a wolf. The wicked will perish. The blessed will live on forever. And my dear friends, that is why this portion of Scripture is an important one to visit every so often and categorize ourselves, self-assessment, self-awareness. Where are we? Are we with the blessed or are we with the wicked? The blessed have eternal life. They prosper in all things according to the will of God. The wicked, they perish. The wicked are unstable. They have no integrity. You can't rely on them. They don't have any proper temperament. They are of the pharisaical type. That oppressing countenance. I'm smart, you're stupid. Shut your mouth, sit down. That's not love. That's not love. That's the wicked. And they will perish. We are wise to find faithful, loving congregations and be members of those loving people where there's hope and there's goals and there's future that is productive and prospering for Christ. You will, we will see a great many things revealed one day. And we should remain humble with our Lord and Master towards each other to always be found with the, the blessed. I don't know. What do you guys think? Does this make sense at all? I hope so. I find great, uh, uh, great comfort in the Word of God and through the many things we've gone through in life. And it's difficult to go through various things, but without these words, we would be lost. We wouldn't have any guidance. And, well, that's a sad life. I used to live there. It's a very sad life to have no hope. To know God is much better. All right, my friends. Please consider subscribing, of course, giving us a thumbs up, a comment, share the link far and wide, that kind of stuff. I'm so thankful that you are all uh, uh, part here and in interacting with the uh, Added Souls Facebook page. You can, of course, find me over at rumble.com slash seasoncharlie slash added souls. That's where I go live for my weekly podcast from Monday to Friday. You can also check out the good work we're doing with the East Coast Church of Christ.com. We've been this wonderful church plant since May 8th, 2022, and we have a growing membership and a wonderful family. We are a faithful congregation here on the East Coast, and uh, we'd love for you to get involved. There is certainly a, uh, a, a, a place for you in this uh, uh, church family. And we'd love to have you. Consider going to addedsouls.locals.com. You can sign up there for free. But if you'd like to partake in the good work of the Added Souls Ministry through the Maya family and the mission of the East Coast Church of Christ, you can certainly support over there at addedsouls.locals.com. Stay focused and stay positive. Stefan Maya here with you at itssouls.com. Oh, yeah, I don't want to forget this. Saturday evenings, Brother Andre Moore and myself, we go live for the Back to the Bible Q&As. So by all means, when you see those, 
you can join in with us and ask Bible questions, and we try our best to give you Bible answers. So check that out, and also check out all the wonderful content from the Added team. We have a wonderful growing team, very honest and humble team, producing all kinds of good Christian material for sisters and brothers. So please get involved with all of this and growing this content with us. Again, it's all to the three-point focus of the ministry. Reach the faithless, renew the fallen, and reinforce the faithful. Good stuff. Peace out.